This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast interview. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Very excited to be joined by former Longhorn running back and former NFL running back. Now, you see him and hear him on, well, you see him on the Longhorn Network providing his analysis. You hear him on uh, Big 12 this morning with, with uh, Ari and Arch. The one and only Fozzie Whitaker. Fozzie, how you doing? Man, I'm doing fantastic, Chip. I appreciate you uh, having me on the show, man. I'm excited for this season of, of what the Longhorns are, are preparing for and planning to do. And it's just a, a, a great time in the Austin area as a lot of sports are, are having fun and some finality in the end of the sports season. But looking forward to a new year uh, come 2023 football season. Well, I'm excited. Uh, I've been wanting to get you on because I think you are one of the the, the great, unique stories um, in you know in terms of Texas running backs who've made it to the NFL, and and con- continued congratulations on your your media uh, career. You're doing great, um, but you know as Texas just had two running backs selected in the NFL draft, I wanted to go back uh, because. Uh, for those who may not exactly remember when Fozzie was at Texas, he was there uh, 08, the season that Texas should have played for a national championship. <laughs> 09, when Texas did play for a national championship. 2010, which was the year everyone would like to forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 2011, and Fozzie, it was at the end of that 2011 season. Uh, you're playing up there in Missouri. You tear your ACL and your MCL, and it takes you kind of out of the draft process. It takes yeah. you out of the normal sequence of pro day and talking to NFL teams. And you're when all that's going on, you're rehabbing, but you do make it in the NFL. In 2012, you're signed by the Arizona Cardinals to their practice squad, and I just want you to kind of remind everybody what that process was like for you, what that call was like from the Arizona Cardinals, because it was your, it was your entrance and Mm -hmm. you made it stick. You know, you had a six year NFL career, but take me back to 
you know, the, the knee injury and then waiting for that call from the Cardinals in 2012. And that might have been the longest period of time in my life that I felt. Um, it, it, it really seemed like uh, I was on tumultuous grounds whenever I was looking at kind of what my future landscape was going to be. Uh, everything seemed to be going well for, for myself personally from a standpoint of where I was trying to get to, how my performance on the football field was equating to some of the hard work that I had put in up to that point. Uh, and, and starting to see some of the fruits of my labor. Now, our record as a team wasn't necessarily where we wanted it to be, but we were still headed in the right direction, considering we went five and seven the year before. We were showing vast signs of improvement with a new look offense and a defensive unit and, and uh, trying to provide a spark to you know the Texas fan base and all around Austin. Uh, and I was able to be a, a big part of that until that October game when uh, tore my ACL, tore my, tore my entire knee up uh, in Missouri. And it, it was uh, literally one of those uh, life-changing and life-altering moments in my life that uh, now that I'm on the back end of that, uh, it, it actually prepared me for the better. Uh, and, and at the time, man, I was going through a lot of emotions. Uh, whenever I first hurt my knee. I, I probably knew that I tore my ACL because it was a feeling and a pain that I had never experienced to this degree before. Uh, and it was the most painful feeling that I had ever had. Uh, and I couldn't walk. I couldn't put pressure on it. And uh, it, it was it was very uncomfortable on the flight back uh, trying to <laughs> sit in an airplane seat while keeping my knee in an immobilizer brace uh, and flying up you know, however many thousands of feet in the air with minimal amount of movement that I could have in order to try to, uh, you know, create a sense of me being comfortable uh, flying back from Missouri. But it was definitely one of those moments where, man, if I didn't have my family around me, if I didn't have my faith strong in God about where I think God would take me, um, I probably would have down spiraled and you, and you might not would have heard of me again or might not have seen me uh, doing what I'm doing now on the media front or even having the opportunities that I was afforded. And I'm very thankful and grateful for having that support system around me with my mom and my brothers and extended family. And like I said, my faith in God to be able to understand that the path that I had set forth for myself in my head, logically thinking I'm speaking with scouts um, and I'm speaking with agents that were uh, talking to me, you know, in the off season and throughout the course of the season saying, Hey man, you're doing some great things. You know, this could be a great opportunity for you to check out our agency and our company. We represent these people, blah, blah, blah. And it was like a, a dream come true moment for me. And literally after that injury happened and people found out the magnitude of that injury, everything ceased to exist from a standpoint of, who was contacting me, the number of people still looking out for me, the number of people checking in on how my injury was going. Uh, and, and it just, it, it was a dark time, I will say that. But like I said, I was able to see the light at the end of the tunnel because of the people that I had surrounding me and, and the amount of love and the positivity that flowed from them continue to show out and myself. And so it was a hard off season that next year. I mean, the season ended. We win the uh, the Holiday Bowl in San Diego playing against Cal, and it was an awesome game. Um, and, man, my next reality was like, okay, football season is over. I'm done with my collegiate career. 
what is next for me. I still had one more semester that I was planning on completing to uh, complete my master's degree. Um, and it kind of worked out well that I was able to do that. I was able to graduate with my master's and finish off that last semester. And then I found a part-time job um, at an independence titling company for Bill Duval, ironically. Um, and that's where I spent, uh, you know, part of my day is making the little change on the side because I still had to pay rent, still had to feed myself and get groceries. So I, I, I had that little part-time job, but it that job allowed me to go do rehab in the mornings and it allowed me to do training so that whenever I was well enough to be able to rehab and start doing some workouts, I could still go work out, go train, and then go to that part-time job to be able to make a little money uh, to make ends meet. And I did that all the way until December, basically, when I got that call uh, to be able to fly out to Arizona and try out for their practice squad uh, with a spot left with two weeks at the end of the season. And so um, I have a big spot in my heart for Benny Wiley, Cesar Martinez, and Anna Craig uh, because those are the three uh, – the three people that were very, very pivotal and my success, not just on the field, but me getting back, uh, them helping me mentally to get past the, the, the hardships around, you know, the knee surgery, the knee injury and that recovery process and, and trying to feel like my old self again. Uh, those three people were super integral in that. And then Donald Wynn, who's actually still there now, uh, was the trainer uh, that had the same mindset as me. He's like, I'm going to get you back stronger than what you were while you were here. Uh, and the combination of those four people on a weekly basis uh, kept my hopes going, number one, but then also uh, they kept pushing me. They kept finding ways to challenge me and to mold me into a player that couldn't make it in the NFL. Uh, and ultimately them pushing me along with that support system that I talked about earlier allowed me that opportunity to go try out for the Arizona Cardinals coach. Tommy Robinson was uh, the running back coach there uh, at the time. And uh, it was just a private workout. Me and, and all the coaches, nobody else going through the drills, had my knee brace on. And, man, they liked what they saw. And they flew me out there, signed me uh, to a practice squad contract for the last two weeks of the season. And uh, it was the best two weeks of my life and a moment that I'll never forget. But uh, the process leading up to it was was long and arduous and nothing could have prepared me uh, for that moment that I was going to go through where having everything feel like all my dreams would be realized throughout the course of the season to having it taken away in an instant and basically feeling like I'm starting from scratch. So Tommy Robinson, who would eventually yep. become the become the running backs coach at Texas. This is before that. Exactly. Tommy coach. Robinson knew about you as a as a high school prospect, as a college player, and put in a good word for you. You get the uh, you get signed to the practice squad by the Arizona Cardinals, and then um, you get signed by the San Diego Chargers mm -hmm. in 2013, and you play in three games for them in the 2013 season. Um, and then you go to Cleveland that same 2013 uh -huh. season. You score your first NFL touchdown as a Cleveland Brown, I believe. Yes. October 27th, 2013 yep. was that first touchdown. And then 
enough film of your time in Cleveland that Carolina uh, brings you in in 2014. And that's where you stay. And you end up going to a Super Bowl with the Carolina Panthers in 2016. But, um, you know, how did you end up in Carolina? Who was that person, um, you know, who who said, hey, we got to go get Fozzie Whitaker? Yeah, it's, it's funny because I didn't necessarily have a true tie to anybody that was currently on the staff uh, in Carolina. Now, the previous coaching regime, there were multiple people that mixed in with my time in San Diego and my time in Cleveland. Uh, North Turner was a was a phenomenal coach. Obviously, everybody knows who North Turner is and the offensive mastermind that he is. Uh, he spent time in both of those systems in Cleveland and San Diego. Um, and the kind of offensive philosophy around what he ran and, and what Mike Shula, who is the offensive coordinator uh, for the Carolina Panthers, ran, they all ran in the same kind of boat of how they like to call plays, the terminology that they used, the mindset that they had, um, and, and just what they saw success to look like from an offensive standpoint. They shared similar philosophies, and I think it was because of the amount of mingling that Ron Rivera had with San Diego and uh, with the, some of the staff at the Browns, I think that just afforded the opportunity for me to go up there. I had to do another workout. This one was actually with another running back uh, that actually went to Baylor, uh, Glasgow. Um, he Glasgow Martin. Uh, he and I both were out there, and it was just a, a, a two-man workout right at the beginning of training camp. Um, they had signed uh, the running back from Stanford, Tyler, um, who had tore his ACL the second day of practice in non-pads, and he went down. Tyler Gaffney with a non-contact injury uh, tore his ACL, and they were looking to replace basically his value or what he was supposed to provide for the football team. And so they held, they hold this tryout, and they're like, pack enough stuff for training camp because we're going to sign one of you two we just don't know yet who it will be until after this tryout. And, uh, man, wow. I, I gave it all that I had. And, and ultimately they came back with me about an hour after the workout and said they were going to sign me to a contract. Uh, and it's ironic because oddly enough, Glasgow and I both were training, uh, at the same time together. And we were in Austin together and we were doing some training stuff. We didn't train the entire off season together, but we spent quite a bit of time training together and he would join me with Benny and Caesar while we were outside doing some conditioning stuff. And, um, and we both just had an opportunity to go and, and, and try out for the same team. It worked out that way and it's super crazy how it did, but ultimately I was able to, I guess, show enough uh, for, for coach Skip, who was the running back coach there to be able to say, Hey, I like that one. He, and he told me about this story. He said, I want a little quick, shifty fast one that's what that's what he told the coach whenever it's like which one do you like which one do you want to sign he said i want the quick shifty fast one that's what he said so wow. uh, he ends up selecting me and man i was able to just be the basically the 91st guy signed to that team since you know a full roster and training camp is 90 people uh i was the last one signed and, and fortunately enough i was able to be blessed uh, with making the roster that year and then obviously turning that into a five-year career in Carolina 
and, and it was it was a blessing. Ultimately, I, I thank God for that moment because um, if you know Carolina had not called, I might have been uh, only had that 2013 season, and that would have been it, and I would have been finding my way about what I wanted to do next. Uh, but I kept the faith, and, and God basically rewarded me for my faithfulness and gave me another opportunity. Um, and like I said, I like to take full advantage of it. And I was able to do that um, and enjoy my time with Carolina. But it was a massive competition year in and year out. Just because I was there in 2014 did not guarantee me 2015 and beyond. Um, and there were people that were drafted. There were people that were signed. There were people that were uh, traded away all of the above that affected my status or possible status with this team. Um, and, and that's really the life of the NFL every single year. If you're not a first round guy or a guy that just signed a multi-million dollar deal with a sizable amount of guaranteed money on your contract, you're fighting for your roster spot year in and year out. And every single week you are being evaluated, not just by your team, but the other 31 teams in the NFL that are looking to either upgrade their roster or find a way to say, hey, this guy is not the guy we need. We need to replace him to find his upgrade. Um, and that's the constant nature of what the NFL is for a majority of the guys besides those superstar guys. And even then, those superstar guys are traded away uh, because they count too much money towards the salary cap. So right. it's 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 a crazy world. Uh, but ultimately, man, you you just have to continue to put in hard work, uh, believe in yourself and have faith and then let everything sort itself out because you can control only what you can control. Well, it's amazing how things work in, in um, uh, January, 2015, you score a 39 yard go ahead touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> uh, to help the, the Panthers win a playoff game. 27 to 16 and basically secured your spot on the 2016 team that ended up going to the Super Bowl. Y'all lost, you know, Cam Newton, um, you know, was the quarterback. Y'all played the Broncos in that Super Bowl. Uh, it didn't, it didn't go the Panthers way, but I mean, the fact that we're talking about Fozzie Whitaker in a Super Bowl uh, is a credit to your, your determination, your grit I'm just wondering how many running backs you've told your story to. I mean, you look, I'm segueing now to Bijan Robinson, Roshan mm -hmm. Johnson, and here's here's Roshan Johnson, a fourth round pick with the Chicago Bears. He's going into a running back room with Deontay Foreman, uh -huh. a two thousand yard rusher for the Longhorns in 2016, a third round draft pick of the the Houston Texans. But then he starts to bounce around and actually just spent a year in Carolina before um, getting picked up by the bears. And so, you know, a, how many running backs have you told your story to who have dreams, aspirations, or players period? Uh, I would think that the Texas football staff should have you talking uh, to players every year uh, at draft <laughs> time. It's funny, Chip, you asked that because it's not a lot of opportunities that I, I guess, divulge this information of my path to the NFL. And the reason why I don't necessarily go into it unless one of those players asks me specifically for it is because everybody's path looks completely different. And it's going to be 
a completely different experience for Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson than what I had and what Deontay Foreman had and what people before them, Jamal Charles, Cedric Benson, RIP. I mean, Ricky Williams, you, you can go all the way back. Chris Obanaya, another one, Malcolm Brown right now, who's another one finding his way uh, into success in the NFL. And it's everybody's path is so different that it, it, it's crazy. The number of stories that you could probably uh, compile together and not a single one would match, no matter if you had multiple people that were drafted in the first round. I bet their first round experience at this organization didn't match with somebody else's first round experience at this organization was same if you were second, third, free agent, whatever the case may be. Uh, but ultimately, you know, as a young kid and, and even me as a player, like you, you want to hear a little bit about what made the person that you kind of looked up to or the person that you saw before you make it to the NFL. You kind of want to hear, you know, what they did or how did they get there? But it's only to a certain degree to like push you even more. Uh, and it's like the longer the story, though, the more dull it got as a as a younger adult. And so my story, obviously, we're spending time here talking about it, but it's it's not necessarily a quick story that I could tell. Hey, I tore my ACL. I wasn't drafted. And then I made it into the NFL like that doesn't give the same value of the actual process that I had to go through. And if I break it down into that process, like it, it gets a little long and, and I can say, you know, 19, 18, 20 year old kids probably are not wanting to hear about that in that moment. Uh, but if somebody shares that, hey, I want insight on what it was that made you into the player that you were or what it was that allowed you to get into the position that you were put in. That's whenever I can go deeper and have more of a, a internal connection with those people about where I was in that time and how I was able to make it through the hardships that I was able to face and then what kept me going each and every day to keep pushing even whenever I didn't know if I was going to have another opportunity to play football again or if there was another contract coming around the corner um, and, and I kind of leave it up to the players to be able to to tell me or kind of filling out that relationship on how far or how deep they want to go into my story but ultimately I, I leave it at that as an opportunity to be able to share it if they want to hear it. But overall, my mindset is, man, if you put in hard work and whatever you do, then at the end of the day, something is going to come from it. You will be able to experience the fruits of your labor. If it's not the NFL, it may be the XFL or it may be the USFL or it may be Canadian Football League or it may be something along I mean, anything else that could possibly propel you into the position to continue to do what you want to do. But uh, I, I typically don't try to force it on the kids just because that's, that's probably not what they want to hear. I know whenever I was in that position, I was definitely eager to hear stories, but I wasn't eager to hear a 10, 15 minute story about somebody else's hardships that I may not experience myself. So it, 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 it it's kind of a twofold thing that I, I I'm more reserved about it. But if somebody asks me, then I will go ahead and open up and tell them about kind of the hardships and things that I faced in order to make it to where I was. Well, it's a great story, and uh, it's a credit to you and that inner circle you you told us about to to stay uh, you know confident and believing, and and you you made it through the keyhole, and 
and got to the other side. And that's uh, that's a fantastic story. We're going to take a quick break here with Fozzie Whitaker. You can hear him on Sirius XM, uh, Big 12 Radio on uh, you know the morning show with Ari and Arch. And you can, of course, see him on Longhorn Network. And so we want to get into Fozzie's uh, thought process about uh, what's next for these Longhorns and get his thoughts on uh, on Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, what makes them special. We'll do it here next, right here on the flagship podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before I get to this year's Longhorns, uh, give me your thoughts on, um, you know, Bijan Robinson with the Atlanta Falcons and Roshan Johnson being in the same running back room with Deontay Foreman in Chicago. Yeah, it, it, it's so cool. I'll start off with Roshan Johnson and, and Deontay Foreman to begin with. I think uh, one of the, the coolest compliments that I heard about Roshan Johnson, which we all knew. Uh, witnessing him at Texas and his leadership abilities was whenever the running back coach over, over there uh, mentioned one of the, the highlights of, you know, the rookie mini camps that they were able to see. And this running back coach in particular, he retold the story of what was happening. Roshan Johnson was the last uh, running back in the room after the meeting had finished. He wanted to ask another question about one of the things that was happening, whether it was a protection or formation or whatever, um, coach went over that information with him before they left that meeting room. And as the coach was walking out after they finished talking, Roshan Johnson is picking up every bottle that was left in that room from all the other players. And that coach went on live in a interview after practice and said, I know this guy is special because no one had to tell him to clean up the running back room. He likes it a certain way and he wants it done a certain way. And he's going to showcase how he wants it done. And so he said, that's very special to be able to have that. And whenever Roshan leaves a mark like that in rookie minicamp on your running back coach, then, you know, he's already setting himself up for success because of what's to come demands a lot of him from a character standpoint. It demands a lot of him from a discipline standpoint. And then it's obviously going to have a physical toll on his body, waking up early, practicing, being in meetings all day, and then doing that again on repeat day in, day out, week in, week out until they get all the way through training camp. And then they got to fight through 17 weeks of an arduous football season that they might not have played that much football ever in their life before consecutively. Um, and, and it's a toll on it, but Roshan Johnson seemed to be prepared 
for this moment. And it already showcased and rubbed off on his coach uh, just from his mannerisms and their first interaction in a meeting about how he carried himself. So I think Roshan will be just fine. He's a guy that whenever we're talking about on the field, he has that leadership, which he showcased at the University of Texas year in and year out. But he does all of the small things and he can do them well. And what I mean by that is whenever you're playing on an NFL roster and especially as a fourth round draft pick, nothing is never guaranteed. Right. It's a spot on a team is not guaranteed. I've been part of organizations in years where they cut their fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh round picks. Like I've seen all of those guys be cut before. So it doesn't guarantee you a spot on the roster just because you was drafted and got this amount of guaranteed money in your contract. Um, you still have to showcase and go out there and prove this is why you put that larger investment and that that bet on me is to be able to get some earnings from it. And so I think Roshan Johnson would definitely do that because he showcased that ability that he's had, whether it was on special teams, uh, on all of them. He's played on every single phase, whether it's kickoff, kickoff, return, punt, punt, return. He's being a four phase guy, which the NFL loves, number one because you got to have somebody that can do it all and also be very effective at their position, which we've seen Roshan Johnson do whenever Bijan went down or whenever he went out uh, due to injury or whether it was a breather, this offense did not miss a beat whenever Roshan Johnson came in and he was able to showcase his direct talents and abilities as it applied in the offense, however he was utilized. So I think he'll be just fine. He'll be a perfect fit, honestly, with any team in the NFL because he can do whatever they need him to do. And, and I think him being in Chicago uh, will be a perfect opportunity to continue to see what that offense can look like because it's such an explosive and ongoing offense with who they have uh, with Justin Fields, DJ Moore coming over from Carolina, and then obviously uh, former Texas running back uh, Deontay Foreman is there. They can be a formidable, uh, you know, play on words. I got to be able to throw that in there. Formidable uh, one-two punch that can be very dynamic uh, with those two guys. And, and I, I definitely envision Roshan Johnson uh, being on all four phases uh, on special teams. And that's kind of the role that I had to take as well as a, um, as a fringe guy. That's what they call us. Those last few spots on the roster where if you're not necessarily a first or second string guy, you got to be able to provide value somewhere uh, and you better be able to provide it on special teams or else you want to be looking for another team to play on. And so that's where I was able to make my living um, because I never was the number one guy and I really never was the number two guy. I was always the third down back, but I played on all four special teams and that gave me that, that upper hand. And I can see Roshan Johnson kind of being in that same sentiment with the, with the leg up on a lot of other rookies because a lot of guys that get drafted don't play special teams. Most of the time, they've been the guy at their college or they were in rotation as the guy at their college. Uh, but Roshan is so special and, and unique that he's played all these special teams positions before. And I can say, if you go through rookie minicamp and you go through training camp, that expertise that you've garnered over the few seasons of playing special teams takes you a long way because you're a step ahead. Um, and, and that's where you can really make a good living. So I expect Roshan Johnson to do just fine. Uh, in Chicago with Deontay Foreman. And then as far as Bijan is concerned, uh, we already know what he is. He, he is physically blessed beyond belief versus probably any other running back that we've been able to witness in the past 
you know, five, six years in the college landscape, in my opinion. I mean, it hasn't been too many people to do the things that he's been able to do. And it's not necessarily just from a standpoint of what he did statistically, but whenever you just look at film and you break down film and you see how many forced missed tackles he was able to have, uh, how many broken tackles uh, where people were in the hole and he was able to be shifty and juke and, you know, make a defender miss or do a complete 360 or 180 and go and skirt around and, and score a 50 yard touchdown. It's just, he has that special ability that nobody else really possesses uh, or, or not many people are able to possess. Uh, and him going to Atlanta, this was a top three rushing team in the NFL a season ago uh, with the likes of Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson. And um, they they were a solid one-two punch. Algier, who was a fresh, uh, I say freshman, who was a rookie uh, drafted in the fifth round from BYU, um, went over a thousand yards in his rookie year. Um, and you can tell that that's what they want to do in Atlanta is establish a physical run game and have a running game presence to be able to uh, hinge off the play action and have their offense set up off of what they're able to do effectively running the ball. Uh, you add in a Bijan Robinson to that type of scheme, and I think he will be extremely successful. Um, and I read a quote today, actually, from Bijan that talked about how he will be utilized uh, in this Atlanta Falcons offense. And they said they got him everywhere from wide receiver all the way to the running back position. And that's something that made him so cool was the versatility that he, that he possessed uh, is very unique in and of itself as well, because a guy of his size and a guy uh, that runs the rock as well as he does, you don't typically see the combination of him being able to split out and run the routes and have the hands that he has. Uh, and so hearing that he's being utilized all over the field, uh, similar to a guy that I played with in Carolina, Christian McCaffrey, now, Bijan's a little bit bigger than Christian McCaffrey, but C-Mac plays everywhere, and he's still doing it for the 49ers. I mean, they got so many different funky formations uh, in, in San Francisco with, with uh, Shanahan calling, you know, basically anything he wants and having success anywhere he wants. Uh, Bijan Robinson seems to be kind of fitting in a mode where he's all over the place from the utilization standpoint of where Atlanta would like to see some success and create some mismatches for him to be successful. So I think he will be just fine being a first round draft pick uh, has afforded him uh, quite a bit of, of opportunities to be able to showcase his abilities in the future. Uh, and, and I think he will be uh, the, the right person for this Atlanta scheme. Uh, and I think he will experience a ton of success, uh, not just because he's the first round draft pick, but because of his work ethic, uh, the leadership kind of abilities that he bring and then his humble nature uh, and his faith in God is is he's always been a guy that gave praise first. And he's always been a guy that put his teammates before himself. Uh, and that selfless nature, I think, will afford him the opportunity for his teammates to be like, man, I want to play for a guy like that. I want to push harder. I want to hold on to that block half a second longer to allow him to get to the edge. And I think that's what he will be able to experience uh, whenever he makes his NFL debut. So. Now I'm going to ask you to put on your, your evaluation hat um, for the Longhorns at running back because uh -huh. you just talked about all the talent that just walked out the door. Right. And now you got Jonathan Brooks, you got Jaden Blue, you got C.J. Baxter, you got Savion Red. So who walks out there first 
against Rice on September 2nd, in your opinion, and why? So in my opinion, I think it's the Jonathan Brooks show uh, moving forward. And the reason why I say that is because, to me, he has had the most experience uh, in-game type situations as being the primary back. I know Keelan Robinson is obviously there, and he has garnered a ton of experience himself. But he's typically not viewed or utilized as the the primary back on a first and second down basis. So from that perspective, from what I've been able to kind of analyze with what Steve Sarkeesian likes to get done, he he loves a back that has a little size to him, but also has a little wiggle uh, and is able to catch out of the backfield. And I think Jonathan Brooks has uh, been able to showcase those things in game situations, number one. Uh, and then he's been able to showcase those things in the practices that I've been able to go out to and be able to take uh, some advantage of being able to see those guys up close and personal and, and just getting a feel for, you know, what those guys do well and and how consistent are they? Because ultimately you got to build up that trust uh, that, you know, to show our choice is looking for a coach choice. Obviously he's a, he's a great coach and he's been a great coach, but you got to show it to coach and practice to be able to get trusted in the game. Um, and obviously Jonathan Brooks, he's shown that over the past couple of seasons that whenever his numbers called, he can take full advantage of it uh, in game type and practice type situations. I think uh, behind him though, Jaden blue showcased a ton of flashes uh, within the spring game itself, but throughout the course of spring all year or all spring. Uh, and, and I think that's a guy who, who earned himself some reps, being able to figure out if Jonathan Brooks is maybe not getting the job done the way that Steve Sarkeesian and Coach Choice are, are looking to get things done, uh, then they may insert a guy like Jaden Blue to be able to create a spark or, or provide that home run hitting ability uh, to be able to to get in a change of pace. And I, I could see that being the, the first kind of rotational guy in there as having an opportunity uh, to be the man to carry the load. But I think Jonathan Brooks is going to be the first one uh, to at least have the opportunity to be the, the primary featured back whenever the season rolls around in September. So if, uh, would you say Brooks is thunder and, and blue is lightning? That's what it's kind of seeming like. But I, I also don't want to forget about Keelan. Because Keelan, I, no, if, he's you got, if you, yeah, yeah, he's he he's he's a little bit faster than lightning, right? He's grease lightning. He's grease lightning. <laughs> uh, but I, I I can see all three of those guys contributing significantly in the season, similar to the way Bijan, Roshan, and Keelan were a big uh, kind of support system for what Quinn Ewers needed to. Whenever you look at checkdowns, when you look at some of those running back first passing options. Uh, all three of those guys were were big in the passing game. And, and I think whenever I look at Keelan Robinson, obviously coming back, he's still going to provide that in those mismatches, especially whenever he's one-on-one with a linebacker. Uh, but Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue have that same type of opportunity uh, to be able to, to create some mismatches in and of themselves. Uh, but I think Jonathan Brooks at this moment would just give this offense a little bit more bang for your buck whenever you're talking about first and second down and having to go get some of those grimy yards uh, or short yarded situations. I think Jonathan Brooks may just be the best built in at this moment uh, to handle that type of wear and tear and workload early on in the season. 
So Sark talks about how he's always seemed to have a thousand yard rusher. Um, and he certainly had him at Alabama mm-hmm. and, and, you know, throughout his career. So Jay Brooks is most likely the thousand yard rusher in 2023. What do you As think? long as he stays healthy, I think that is where my money would go. If I was a betting man, I'm not, but <laughs> I was to to hang my hat on something, I would say Jonathan Brooks would have the most opportunities and probably would be the leading rusher on this team uh, as as long as health is not an issue. I know he's coming off a a sports hernia surgery and that could affect him moving forward. Hopefully that's not the case and he just recovers 100%. But if something uh, begins to have complications or if he has other types of injuries or, or gets dinged up, then obviously it's the next man up approach and you can't necessarily account for, for that from who would be the next thousand yard rusher on the team. But uh, I I would hang my hat on Jonathan Brooks being the uh, leading rusher for this Texas team. So if Brooks is capable, we know that Sarkeesian (laughs) kind of went with a pass first game plan in the Alamo bowl. It didn't Mm -hmm. work out. Quinn Ewers was pretty sharp in that game, but he had some, players dropping the football. They didn't hit the big plays. They lose the game and they're up against Michael Penix, Mm -hmm. quarterback of Washington who finished ahead of B. John Robinson in the Heisman trophy voting. Uh, For those who don't remember that, that kid is a, a a must watch player at quarterback heading into 2023. But do you get the sense that Sarkeesian will continue to run first play action like he has um, at Alabama and and like he he did last season I think um, <laughs> yeah I, th- I think this offense is is actually built more dynamically to suit Quinn Ewers and being able to stretch the ball downfield so I would not be surprised if this was more of a pass uh pass happy or pass centric offense Considering, I mean, he wanted to kind of do that a little bit, even though he had Bijan and Roshan. There were times in the season where you were like, why is Bijan Robinson not utilized more in this situation? Or where you wish you could have saw a little bit more of Bijan to be able to take over the game. Um, and we saw some of those things take place. Uh, and, and without a guy like Bijan Robinson, I, I think that will amplify the idea that you know, Steve Sarkeesian wants to continue to stretch the ball downfield and be able to hit off those play action and make some big chunk plays through the air. I think that'll be emphasized a little bit more. Uh, And the reason why I think that'll continue to be the case this year is because number one, this is probably the best offensive line that Texas has had. And I don't know how long, I mean, you, you couldn't tell me the last time that Texas had five returning starters and potential NFL draft picks on that line, not just one, but multiple potential NFL draft picks. There hasn't necessarily been a line like that since 2005 when they won a national championship. I mean, that's, that's been the last time that you've seen multiple draft talent individuals on the front line. And I think Texas has that this year. Uh, Not to mention you got multiple receivers that have an opportunity to make a huge splash in the college landscape. We already know what Xavier Worthy can do, uh, has All-American status written all over him. Uh, but a guy like A.D. Mitchell, uh, I mean, you saw him flash in the spring game with that miraculous one-handed catch. 
but in practice, man, I saw him doing that all day long. Like this dude looks absolutely amazing. And I mean, it's opportunities that he got at Georgia. He was able to take advantage of those as well, scoring multiple touchdowns. Uh, but he has the chance to really flash and be a big superstar addition to what this offense looks like. Obviously, the addition of Isaiah Nayor coming back off of injury uh, will be of huge help. I mean, last year, you look at Texas's deep threat ability and who are you going to throw a jump ball to uh, after Isaiah Nayor went down? And it was like you only got Jatavian Sanders at the tight end position. You don't have anybody else on the outside edge that you – necessarily trusted on a jump ball to come out on top in a lot of 50 50 situations and then you go out and add ad mitchell and you bring back isaiah nayor that's uh hopefully healthy from that acl injury and you got two guys that can go pinpoint the ball uh in the air and win those one-on-one battles and then you bring back jay witt again who is mr third down mr first down that's what i like to call him on third down quinn ewers finds that safety blanket and jay witt always answers the call and I think the combination of those four guys along with Jatavian Sanders and then the starting five offensive linemen coming back will afford Quinn Ewers the opportunity to be more comfortable in his second year starting underneath Steve Sarkeesian's offense uh, and see a lot better accuracy down the field and a lot of plays being made with them throwing the ball and stretching the field with their explosive weapons on the outside edge. Not to say the run game will be abandoned, I just think that could be a major opportunity for Texas to be able to flex some huge mismatches uh, is by having the amount of talent that they have on the outside edge and in the slot position to be able to utilize Quinn Ewers' arm because we have guys up front that can protect him uh, and open up the field for the run game. Well, I'm going to call on your uh, Big 12 this morning uh, co-hosting abilities here. What teams in the Big 12 pose the biggest challenge to Texas in terms of winning that hardware on their way to the SEC? Yeah, whenever you look at it, obviously the team on the other side of the Red River is always talked about. Uh, as much hype as Texas is garnering uh, in the offseason right now uh, and finishing spring ball and creating some momentum heading into fall camp, I mean, Oklahoma – is getting just about the same amount of hype, if not more than what uh, you know they're trying to accomplish. And his second year for Brent Venables, you look at Steve Sarkeesian on, on the flip side of thing, his first year was a disappointment going five and seven. And then year two, you go eight and four in the regular season uh, and, and you find some way to win some of those close games that you lost a season ago. Uh, and you got a ton of hype surrounding year number three for Steve Sarkeesian. Now you look at it from Brent Venable's standpoint, uh, year one was a disappointment and it seems like it's almost the exact same storyline of what Texas faced just a year ago. Now they bring back Dylan Gabriel, uh, who was the PFF passing leader uh, a season ago, just in case people forget that. But Dylan Gabriel was uh, one of the most, uh, I guess, quiet assassins from the quarterback position in the Big 12 uh, that really was a huge addition to what Oklahoma was trying to get done and what Jeff Levy on the offense coordinator position was trying to get done. Dylan Gabriel was able to do that. You bring him back and uh, you add in some of the transfers that they were able to add in this offseason. And, man, it could be an opportunity for Oklahoma to be that other team to pose against themselves uh, for the crown in the Big 12 title race uh, if everything is said and done. But I also don't want to – 
uh, put a blind eye to what Joey McGuire in Lubbock is doing. Texas Tech, um, they they have some things figured out. And last year, that was a team that Texas lost to in the second half. That was one of those games where you were extremely annoyed about how it played out. Uh, but let's, I don't want this to be taken wrongly, but Texas Tech had some really good players as well. Like they played pretty good and they have a good team over there enjoying McGuire is instilling something that you know hopefully for that Texas Tech fan base they can be proud of and this is also year two for Joy McGuire so if we see the year two jump that Steve Sarkeesian had at Texas you can expect similar jumps from year two from Brent Venables at Oklahoma and year two for Joy McGuire at Texas Tech as who I think could be people uh, and in place or in position to sabotage Texas from winning a Big 12 title. Yeah. Um, TCU and K-State both lost a lot. Yes. Um, TCU lost their quarterback, but they still have Chandler Morris returning. He was the guy who actually started the 2022 <laughs> season. Uh, didn't finish it, but um, and K-State has Will Howard. So even though they've lost Deuce Vaughn and Felix Anaduke, Uzama, and Julius Brents, and some of their NFL talent mm -hmm. uh, up there in Manhattan. Uh, Chris Kleiman just got the contract extension. He's got a good yep. culture in there. So have you thought this far ahead? Do you have a way too early prediction for the Big 12 title, <laughs> the Big 12 title game, Foz? I'm always thinking that far ahead, Chip. Man, it's it now. Nah. The prediction changes, though. If that, if yeah, this is the way too early. Um, this is like 1.0. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, whenever I look at it, I'm 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 really thinking this is Texas's year, uh, for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. You got so many people returning. Defense, you still have question marks on that. You got to try to figure out some of the replacement pieces of, of valuable people that left and that were in prominent leadership roles, but. I think they can do enough on the offensive side of the ball and they have enough talent on the defensive side of the ball that this could be the year that Texas plays uh, in the Big 12 championship. Um, on the flip side of that, <clears throat> I go back and forth with, uh, I mean, for me, Texas Tech is one of those teams. Kansas State uh, is another team that I believe has that potential. But then Baylor. Baylor sits there and I feel like they're lurking in the woods. Not many people are talking about them. Not many people are necessarily giving them a ton of hype either because of the kind of disappointing season that they had a year ago. And Blake Shapin uh, was supposed to be the guy that led them to, uh, you know, prominence in the Big 12 again after filling in for Jerry Bohannon in a Big 12 championship game and, and going out and winning that against Oklahoma State not too long ago. Um, but I mean, Dave Aranda is a guy that knows coaching and he knows coaching well. He won his first league championship in his second year as the head coach of the Baylor Bears. And I think this could be a, a year where he finds a way to be able to to create, you know, some some chaos or some havoc in there and squeezes in. But I can see multiple situations between those three teams. I guess that's a that's a cop out. But if I had to just select one, uh, I, I might. I might say Oklahoma because their schedule is favorable uh, down the stretch and getting to a point where they can be able to contend for the Big 12 title. Okay. All right. I like it. And um, Foz, you got a surprise player on offense and maybe a <laughs> surprise player 
on defense for Ooh. Texas? Surprise. Well, we hadn't seen A.D. Mitchell outside of the spring football game, but that's going to be the guy that I talk about probably the most this offseason as to the biggest addition to what Texas is trying to get done offensively. So if I'm going to go surprise prayer on offense, I'm thinking A.D. Mitchell will be that guy that provides that extra spark to what this Texas offense wants to get done and what Steve Sarkeesian is looking for. Uh, but on the defensive side of the ball, man, I, I don't know if it's a huge surprise, but I'm still a huge fan of Byron Murphy. Uh, I, I think with the opportunity that he will be afforded as the full-time, uh, you know, one and being that first-string guy to come off and, and play and, and more reps uh, and, and have the opportunity to showcase his advantage and his potential, I think he is going to flash in a huge way and i think he will make a lot of money for himself this season uh so I, I don't know if it's a true surprise since he's played before and we've seen kind of snippets of it but i think we'll see that at a higher level and more clips of him doing that type of damage uh now that he's kind of thrust into that starting role and when you say you think it's texas's year you have texas winning the big 12 championship game this year i do I do have Texas winning this year. This is the opportunity that they got to take advantage of, and I think they can do that in year three of Steve Sarkeesian's tenure. Yeah. Fozzie Whitaker, great story. I really appreciate you you telling us the, the story again. I think it's a, a great tale of inspiration for, for players who, like you said, the fringe players coming out of college who the NFL maybe isn't thinking of, but once they get an opportunity, they make the most of it. Fozzie Whitaker, you are an inspiration. Captain America. <laughs> and uh, what else, you guys? See Fozzie's future heroes there. Anything we can promote for you? Uh, I mean, my nonprofit, that's where we run our football camps out of each year, providing those free camps. I'll have my next one in August in Pearland at my high school. That'll be the first weekend in August that I uh, have that camp hosted. It'll be my ninth year doing that annual camp. So that's been amazing, almost a decade now. Uh, so just continuing to, to do that. And in my gym, uh, it keeps me busy as well. Whenever I'm not on the radio or on TV, I'm at the gym, burn boot camp, seat apart, making sure, uh, you know, everything is in place and having fun and uh, doing some training out there as well. So if you need a good workout, come seat apart, come see me. <laughs> burn boot burn camp. Boot camp. In Cedar okay. Park. Is there a website for the? Yeah. For the so if you go to burnbootcamp.com, okay. you can enter in the locations. You click Texas and then you'll click Cedar Park uh, and it'll show it. We're right on Bell Boulevard, uh, Cedar Park Drive, and uh, you, you'll be able to find us. No worries there. So I love it. I love it. And for the uh, for the camp in August, is there a website? Yeah. If you go to bamfam.org, B A M. F-A-M, BAMFAM.org. You can sign up for that through that website right there. Uh, and that's the nonprofit organization that I pair my nonprofit with to be able to host all of these camps uh, across the state and be able to uh, allow them to be free as well. So BAMFAM.org will give you that registration link and other camps that are put on throughout the course of the year as well. Fozzie, great, great stuff, man. Keep up the good work. Love listening to you on uh, Sirius XM Big 12 Radio. Love seeing you on LHN. You and uh, and our guy, Michael Griffin, and mm -hmm. 
Um, it's, it's awesome stuff, man. Keep up the good work. And thanks so much for the time today here on the flagship podcast interview. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Chip. All right. For Fozzie Whitaker, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith. There's a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.